0: Is on Mother's Day. I can tell you it's one of my favorite uh, things that we get to do as a church family is to just receive and remember, acknowledge um, the gift that children are to us all. And uh, especially as I get older, it becomes even more and more special. My teenagers always give me that kind of Heisman, so it's kind of like, you know, getting a chance to uh, be with those little ones is so fun. Well, today is Mother's Day, and we're so thankful. Happy Mother's Day to you, all of you mothers in the room. I do want to just begin, just by um, just encouraging you. Know, I know mothers. Many of you, if you're like my wife Laurel, um, you don't ever like to receive acknowledgement or praise, and even receiving words of affirmation. Or sometimes, like she gets a little bit nervous about all the things that I say about her, and um, and it's because. Uh, So often, uh, you especially, you just feel inadequate and you feel like I can't live up to all that the world demands of me or asks of me or believes about me even potentially. And so I want to just encourage you and remind you that as we just sang that Jesus paid it all, he is sufficient where you might feel insufficient and where you might feel like you don't live up uh, to all that you desire to be as a mother, just know um, that Jesus looks on you and is proud and praises you and he is sufficient. You can find rest in him. You can find hope in him. I also know that many of you, like me, are missing your moms today and so this day has a bit of a, a day of sadness to it. There's, um, and, and you know, it. Isn't it interesting that um, the brokenness of the world, it shows up in so many different ways and the hardships of life show up in so many different ways and so even a day that we set aside as a day to celebrate and honor It can become, in the broken things of the world, a hard day for many, and so you're missing your mom, or perhaps there's some brokenness that exists in that relationship, and so um, we want to just encourage you and once again remind you that Jesus is sufficient, Um, and I know I've had many friends um, in the past, and I expect there's some in the room even this morning, that you're just praying and hoping you can get through today and this weekend as quickly as possible, because it reminds you of one of your greatest desires to be a mom has not yet been fulfilled. And so I want you to know that once again, Jesus is sufficient in your heartbreak and in your desire, um, Jesus is there and he is with you. And uh, I pray that you would um, today find hope in what Jesus has done um, in his ultimate and unconditional love for you. So wherever you are, um, whether you're celebrating this day, whether this day is challenging, as you grieve loss or grieve this longing of your heart not yet being fulfilled. Know that Jesus loves you, is sufficient, and you can put your trust and hope in him confidently knowing that he loves you, and we celebrate all that he does. We are in a study of the Sermon on the Mount if you're a guest with us, we've been working our way through this text beginning in Matthew chapter 5 a number of months ago and sort of working our way through. We're coming now near to the end of this uh, teaching of Jesus. Uh, Jesus just in, in some sense his most complete and comprehensive teaching um, now in the middle of chapter 7 as Hemenah read for us. And she, Jesus is in chapter 7. Um, he's begun to teach us and, and inform us and even call us to living life uh, in such a way that there is, in, in, a, in a sense, evidence of who we are. All the way back in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus uh, described for us what it meant to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. He gave us the Beatitudes, are often referred to. And if you wanted to go back, you can find all these sermons on our podcast. Uh, wherever you find a podcast, you can catch up if you would like. But in chapter 5, he describes what it means, how we become, and what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And in chapter 6, he then, because as we have been welcomed as citizens of God's kingdom, has become his children, he then says that there is a way that we live, and we're not to live concerned mostly about the horizontal plane, in a sense not mostly about the praise of man, but we are to be, live our lives understanding that we live before God. We live our lives in front of God, that he cares for us, that he is aware of our lives, and that it matters how we live. Um, He said, beware of practicing in chapter 6, the very beginning of chapter 6, beware of practicing your righteousness before others. So consumed and concerned about what others think of you and how they look, and even playing a little bit of the game, especially as we do so well here in the Bible Belt, playing the game of being a Christian without it truly being who you are, and, 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 he, and he taught us all through chapter six that it matters, and God sees us and is aware; He cares about how we live and to live for Him. And here in chapter seven, He begins to turn, and there are some shorter statements that, in a sense, comprise of this understanding of this teaching that how we relate to one another and how we engage and live in the world reveals something. It reveals that citizenship in his kingdom, who we are in Christ. And so we have to ask, what is the evidence that we are citizens of the kingdom of God in our lives? Now we have to be careful here because if we try to focus too much on that question, like so many have done throughout human history, we can begin to focus and become what some would call moralists. We do and act and, and try to look right, again, sort of on a horizontal plane, but there's no inward change. There's not been any inward transformation. And some of us know very well we can fake it. We haven't yet made it, like the fake it till you make it, but we can fake it very, very well, and we just keep going and keep going and keep going. That's not what Jesus is calling us to here. What he's saying is that those of us who are Christians, he's speaking again to Christians, When he's teaching in this sermon, those of us who are Christians, there should be, there will be evidence of that reality. So don't get too focused on trying to create or manufacture the evidence, but it's right to ask the question, is there evidence? And if not, for that to lead us to then have some conversations with God and go back perhaps to Matthew chapter five, where we see his words, blessed are the poor in spirit, For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who understand their poverty before God, their helplessness before God, their inability to do anything holy on their own, holy and lasting on their own, outside of his work. When we understand our poverty of spirit, Jesus says that's what allows us to become citizens of his kingdom. As we understand our great need for Christ, then we call upon him. And we call upon his righteousness and we begin to thirst and hunger for something that we don't find within. And as we do that, working all the way through, now Jesus has gotten us to Matthew chapter 7. We begin to interact and we live in the world differently. And there's evidence of who we are. I've been blessed to be able to travel to many and various places in the world. It's always interesting as we travel to various countries and uh, go into the culture and live amongst other cultures, un-American places, non-American places, um, we have to change a little bit of the way that we do things. There are certain things that we don't do in certain cultures. There's other things that we do that we would never do here because we're Americans and that's how we do that. Sometimes the world sometimes picks on us because we're loud and we're brash and we're all the things that sometimes make us Americans because here at home we can do them freely. But when we travel and go into another place, they see us and they're there's the Americans, there's the loud folks. In our daily lives, as we live, Jesus, as we come to this teaching, is in some ways asking us and saying and teaching us, telling us, It should be, there are the Christians. That's some way, I don't understand it, but in some way I see God at work in those people. Look at how they live. Look at how they engage. Look at how they connect with me. This is what Jesus is teaching us. And so we come to verse 12. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophet's. Jesus has been teaching us in chapter seven, there's tangible, visible evidence that we are citizens of God's kingdom, not of this world. In the first verse, he said that we don't judge and condemn our neighbors any longer. That's not how Christians operate, he says. There's evidence, because we are not the people who offer condemnation over the world, but we offer the same grace and mercy that we have received in Christ to the world. We're a people who ask, knock, and seek the Lord in prayer, understanding that we have heavenly fathers that give to us and bless us, and if we have, excuse me, earthly fathers that take care of us and bless us, and if we have earthly fathers who are broken, sinful people that do that, then we surely are heavenly father. How much more? And so we are faithful and eager prayer warriors. The rest of the world doesn't do that. The rest of the world, people who aren't Christians don't pray. And if they do pray, they don't really know who they're praying to or what they're praying. We do. We have a heavenly Father that we know, that we cry out to, and we bang down the door of heaven asking him for things, pleading with him. That's what Christians do, he says. And here, on Mother's Day, we get to mom's favorite verse. As my mom would say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. She mixed in a little New King James in there all the time. This most famous teaching of Jesus. By the way, can I just just sort of uh, be amazed with you a little bit at the sort of navigation of the Holy Spirit over our church? Um, I little peek behind the curtain, I, I plan the entirety of uh, teaching series and sort of schedule it out with our elders. We sort of look through all of the verses and the flow of, our, sur- of our, our, our Sunday mornings, and we plan those out, and then every year or every teaching series as we do that, something interrupts that schedule, and so we have to adjust and sort of tweak and navigate, and here we are on Mother's Day and the kindness of God and uh, his providence, we land on mom's favorite verse, <laughs> do unto others. Isn't that cool? do unto others often referred to as the golden rule Jesus actual words whatever you wish that others would do to you do also to them as we look closely at this text and we really try to understand what it is that Jesus is saying to us what he's teaching us the first question that we have to ask is what do we wish because he says, whatever you wish that others would do, that's what you're going to do. So in order, if we're trying to figure out how we're supposed to live, what is it that we're supposed to do in life, we need to think about what is it that we wish for? Now, many of us, as we think about wishes, you turn to genies in Aladdin, and you get all these pictures of various things and that sort of thing. For all the mothers in the room, I know as you hear that, what do you wish for? You're thinking about laundry being picked up, toilet seats being put down you know, phone calls from children more frequently than they come in, you know, whatever those things might be, that's the desires of your heart. Those are those things that you wish for. But for all of us, mothers and those of us who are not mothers, what is it that we wish for? I'd suggest that we wish for acknowledgement. We want to be recognized for the effort that we put forward. We want to be sort of seen and and, and cared for. We want to be encouraged in life as we deal with the hard things of life. We want someone, something to come alongside us and to encourage us. We wanna re- receive blessing. We just want somebody to say, I, I care about you. I, I see what you're doing and I know what you're doing and I bless you for it. The effort that we put forth, all of those things. We wanna just maybe just get a hug, just receive some just physical affirmation of God's love for us? In a world that so often just tells us no and the door slams, we wanna just hear yes and be welcomed in? You know, if we think about all of those things, all of those, this, and I can't possibly um, elaborate or hit on every one of the things that you might wish, wish for deeply in your heart, but at the root of all of those things, if we peel the onion back on all of those things, all of those things point to our desire, our wish, our hope that we want to be loved. We need to be loved. Our heart longs to be loved. One of the greatest things, and perhaps the greatest thing that I could say about my mom was that I knew unconditionally how much she loved me. And I knew that she would tell me how much she loved me all the time to the point that I'd get annoyed by it. And now how I would long to hear it again. But I knew in my soul that she loved me better than any other human being that I've ever met in my life. I knew that. And it it, it satisfied something in my soul. There's a longing that we all have to know that we are loved, to hear that and to feel it. And so often that turns into unhealthy things. We begin to pursue things of the world and all of the things that the world seems to offer and they say to us, this will tell you that you're loved, this will tell you that you're loved, this will tell you that you're loved. And for some of us, we've chased down all those rabbit trails and found them wanting. They don't do any of that. They leave us empty. But what we wish for, what we desire, when Jesus tells us whatever you wish that others would do to you, we know deeply in our hearts, that our desire is to be loved. And if we desire that, if we know that's the aching of our hearts, to be loved, then here's what I know. If that is true of me, I know that is true of every single person in this room. That's true of every single human being that has ever walked on this planet. There is a desire and a need to be loved and to feel that love, to experience that love. And so Jesus, when he tells us that whatever you wish that others would do to you, we can understand what he is getting to here is love. The wish and the desire of our hearts is to be loved. And so as citizens of his kingdom, as people who have been called sons and daughters of God, who have been welcomed into his kingdom, we now have to keep that in mind. And that's why the next word that is very important there is others. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. We know that we wish our desire or the deepest longing of our hearts is to be loved and to know that we are loved. And so as we understand that, we then have to take the eyes off of ourselves and stop looking inwardly and we have to start looking outward. This is a day and an age of me. I don't have to tell you that. I won't spend much time giving you evidence of that. All you have to do is just go through life. This afternoon, immediately leaving this room, perhaps as soon as you enter the parking lot, all of you are gonna now do it better. You're going to figure out how much this is about a me culture because I'm getting out of here faster than everybody else. (laughs) And we walk through life constantly worried about me getting mine being served achieving whatever i want the i and the me of the culture and it just it's it's a part of who it's become a part of who we are well jesus is saying that if we're going to live as he has called us to live then we have to put others above self this is one of the greatest struggles of our day to stop thinking so much about ourselves, to take our eyes off of our desires and to look at the interests of others, to consider the needs of others, to not focus so much of our attention on ourselves, but to focus on the needs of others. Are we aware, do we live our lives aware of others' needs? Why do we honor mothers? Truly, before Hallmark decided that this was a calendar date, why do we honor and bless mothers? Because in so many ways, we see in them sacrifice. We see in them, modeled for us, interest in others, laying down their lives for others. I think about, again, my mom, and I'm not trying to preach about my mom all morning, but she's a great example for all of us. <laughs> Her entire life was lived in service of other people. Every single day, she gave her life to caring for other people in various ways. In her vocation, she did it. In her family life, she did it. As she grew older and her parents got older and caring for them, she did it. And caring for her husband, she did it. And caring for me as her son and all of her children and grandchildren and et cetera, she did it. It was constantly, it was never about her. She never let it be about her. Well, this is how Christians are to live. This is how we are all to live. Not looking inwardly, Jesus says, but do unto others. You have to know other people to do that. You have to be aware of other people to do that. You have to be concerned for other people to do that. And so often, what we become consumed with, what drives us, is whatever we are looking inwardly for rather than outwardly. And so, citizens of God's kingdom, we live differently. This teaching of Jesus transforms the world because we stop being so consumed with ourselves But if we're obedient to what Jesus has taught us to do, we begin to look at the interests of others. And then he says something radical. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Nike stole it from Jesus. Just do it. Stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it. You don't have to any longer after this, you don't have to pray about it anymore. Jesus has already said, do it. Love others. The deep desire of your heart is the same desire that other people have. They want to know that they are loved unconditionally in Christ. They want to know that God is aware of them and cares for them. They might not be able to articulate it that way. They won't say it using that language. But if you look and you analyze and you just just get to know your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, all of those people, the people that we are gathered together with here this morning, we can know about one another. We desire to know that we are loved ultimately by God. And God has sent us, has called us to be a people who reflect that love, who demonstrate that love. That's why this teaching, I think moms love it so much because it's so simple. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them. But here's the amazing thing as all of the Sermon on the Mount, we've said this before, it is so simple. There really isn't anything that Jesus has said up until this time that we are like mind blown, you know, rocket science. We can't grasp it. We can't. All of these words are pretty simple. But they are profoundly and radically transformative. They are simple. It's not hard to do what Jesus has called us to do if we've been truly transformed by Christ. It's hard to do under our own power. It's hard to do when we're so so interested in ourselves rather than others, again, without Christ, without the power of the Holy Spirit in us. But if we have been made new in Christ, it's not hard to do this, but it is radically transforming, and it is a powerful thing if we would do this, if we would do what we know we've been called to do. The deepest desire of your heart is to be loved. The deepest desire of your neighbor's heart is to be loved. Every single one of us has that need. And Jesus says, I've called you to myself. I've welcomed you as citizens of my kingdom because I love you. Now go and demonstrate that. Show the world my love for them. Jesus says, he gives the power of this teaching as he closes verse 12. Do it, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. I want you to understand this. Every single thing that the people who were hearing Jesus preach this sermon for the first time, every single thing they knew about God, Jesus is saying, everything I've ever said, Everything God has ever said to you, all of the law, the Old Testament, and the prophets combined, every single thing you know about who I am is summed up in this, that you would love others the way I've loved you. That's amazing. You want to know what God says to do? You're asking for how, I don't know God's will, and I'm not sure if I should go left or if I should go right or any of those things. God is saying to us all, oh, Jesus is teaching us, just love, love others unconditionally love people. And if we would do that, the world would be transformed. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said it this way, summing up again this same idea. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here again he says it. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. Everything I've said before, everything God has revealed to us about himself hangs on that verse, that you would love God and you would love others. This is why Jesus' is teaching, again, it's simple and yet it is so profound. As we read the Bible and we hear the story God creates the world, sin enters the world, brokenness comes in, God's creation, his perfect plan seems to be wrecked, and yet he begins to call people to himself to redeem them, to set them apart, and out of them, they begin to point through all these various characters to this ultimate redeemer who would come. He would send his son who would lay down his life for others in love for them, giving his life on a cross, and then three days later, showing the depth and the power of his love, he would take it back up again. All of that, love God, love others. That's it. It's simple. That's what he's saying here. It's all summed up. God's cosmic plan for the world, for the universe, all that God is doing is he is calling a people to himself. We now call ourselves Christians. And he is saying, love people. Do what I have done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is what citizens of God's kingdom do. God's people should not be known most for their anger, for their self-righteousness, for their desire to go to battle. Sometimes, I think, sadly, it's become in vogue lately for Christians to use language of war, language of battle, feeling like it's our responsibility to fight. And Jesus teaches us that is not the way. Think about this. Some of you might remember this song of old, that line that we used to sing. It says, he could have called 10,000 angels. And it's a song that's speaking about Jesus hanging on the cross. And he could have called all of heaven's army to come and destroy his enemy to take him down off the cross, to to just put a finish to everything that was happening in the world. All of the attack, all of the darkness which was encroaching upon the world at that time, Jesus could have wiped it out, not even with speaking a word, with just thinking about it. And yet he did not do that because he loved us, because he found his purpose in being obedient to the will of the Father, and the Father's plan was for him to lay down his life so that we might be redeemed and be called sons and daughters of God Jesus willingly laid down his life on the cross for you and for me. Why would we think it's nothing but pride that makes us think that we have a better way to go into the darkness and to push back against it other than what Jesus did, which was love. Constantly considering others greater than ourselves. Over and over again in scripture. You cannot read the scriptures. You cannot read of Jesus' life and see anything from him other than a constant love. Yes, love for the broken, sinful people of this world. Love for people like me, train wrecks like me. Jesus loved me. This is why he said in John 13, And they will know you are my disciples, not by your conviction not by your anger, not by your self-righteousness, not by your knowledge of my word, but through your love, your love. Jesus gives us this word, do unto others, this active word, and it's not a word of sitting idle. It's a word of being active. Confucius, stealing the words of Jesus, he twisted it around, and he, Confucius, the great Chinese philosopher, said, do not do anything to others that you would not want done to you. He said, do not do. Jesus says do. Confucius said do not do, but do you know what, why that doesn't work? I could stand on this stage for the rest of my days, and I would not harm you. I would not hurt you by standing here, but that would not be necessarily a way of love. The way of love is I've got to step down, I've got to engage, we have to live our lives with other people, and we have to be active in loving others. We don't just hold back and not do certain things, but we get active in showing our love. Jesus gives us the way, the way to the true heart. And so he says to us, get busy doing what you would have done to you unto others get busy loving others. You might ask yourself, how do I do that? How do I love others well? I'll give you four things that you can do. First, pursue. Pursue other people through invitation, through conversation, through consistency. I've told this story many times, but. We planted this church, if you're a guest here, this church was started seven years ago. And we first came into this community. One of the very first things that we did is we reached out to various community leaders. And we just said, "A new God is doing a work here. We're establishing a new church. And our desire is to love this community and to point this community to Christ and to bring glory to God's name in all the ways, any way that we can. And so I just said, if you ever need help, if you ever need anything, I want you to know you can call upon us, you can call this church and we'll, we'll strive to do that. You wanna know how long it took for that message to get through? More than a handful of years, consistently speaking that word to many people, telling until the phone rang, can you help me? So often we extend that invitation, we have a brief conversation, It doesn't. There's not follow-through upon it, and we say, "Okay, I guess they didn't care. I guess there wasn't anything." But be consistent. Keep pursuing others. Keep looking for ways to show love. As you pursue others, get to know them. Find out what hurts they have. Do you know the challenges? Do you know about the hardships of your neighbors? Do you know the things that they're going through in life, just some of the daily things that they're working through? Sometimes you might have to chase them down a little bit. But find out what drives them, what, is the, what motivates them, what, what gets them up in the morning. And as you get to know your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, whoever those people might be, now you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a, a means and a, and a way to apply the gospel, the hope of Christ, to those things in love. Then show them. So many of us, so many people in the world don't really know even how to receive love because it's been withheld from them for so long. And so we have to show them. We have to be the people that will be vulnerable, that get real. We have said since we began this church, it's okay to not be okay. But are you okay with other people not being okay? Do you, do you receive them and do you welcome them in all their train wreck-ness? And all of the challenges and all the hardships, all the things that they deal with, are you real with them? Do you get to know them sincerely and do you open up your life fully and completely to them? That's what it looks like to love someone. And finally, we pursue them, we know them, we show them, and then we reflect. As the psalmist would say, we magnify the Lord. We show Christ. We demonstrate His love. We point to Jesus in all that we do. Jesus loved you and He loves me unconditionally. I want you to understand that word. That means that there is no condition that you can find yourself in that you are outside of the love of God. Unconditional love. There's nothing in your life, and perhaps that's all you need to hear this morning. There's nothing in your life right now that exists that God's love does not break through whatever that stronghold around your heart might be and say, I love you still. I love you completely. I love you. I gave my life for you. Jesus proved his love when he laid down his life for us. No greater love than this, that a man would give his life for his brother. That verse is about Jesus before it's about the military. It's about Jesus. He gave his life for you and for me as a demonstration of his love, and that love was unconditional. And so we, if we're going to do unto others whatever we wish that they would do to us, we also now love others unconditionally conditionally. This is the love that Jesus calls us to demonstrate. Is there evidence in our lives of our citizenship in God's kingdom? The greatest evidence that we can show the world is an unconditional love for them. In spite of when they don't love us back, in spite of when they believe or look at the world differently than we do, in spite of the pain and suffering that they bring upon us, in spite of whatever might be in that blank for you, we love because we know that's the desire of our heart and God moves in powerful and radical and transformative ways when we are obedient to go into the world and to love as he loved us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need your help to love as you have called us to. I need your help in that. That's not the natural way for me or for any of us. And so we pray that you'd send your spirit to fill us, to help us to love. Help us to see our friends, our neighbors, our family members, our co-workers, our teammates, our classmates, everyone that we encounter, help us to see them as you saw us. and to love, to love them. Help us to reflect you to this broken world. To trust you that you are doing what you intend to do in your perfect sovereign plan, You're redeeming, you're making all things new. And you've called us to be a part of that. And We thank you for that calling. We ask, help us, Lord. Help us to love as you've loved us. Let this church be a reflection of your love to the world around us in everything we do. We pray these things in Jesus. Precious and mighty name. Amen.
1: Let's stand and sing together. What holds our days within his hands? What comes apart from his command? And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Can come a troubled soul. God is good. God is good. Where is His grace? You're the rock of Christ. Oh, sing. Shall we sing? Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him, then we will rise to meet the Lord, then sin and death. When Christ is ours forevermore Oh, sing hallelujah Our hope springs eternal Oh, sing hallelujah Now and ever we confess Christ our hope and life in death.
0: truth that is to remember. Our only hope is in Him. This is a little bit different this morning, but I ask that you be seated just for our uh, closing um, together. Um, This morning we're beginning a uh, campaign for Hope Women's Center, which is our local crisis pregnancy center. And some of you might be aware of our partnership and the work that HOPE does, but uh, we wanna take a moment to just invite you all to you know get to know them a little bit better. And so um, Holly Snell and Aaron, uh, the executive directors of that uh, great place have uh, shot a video for us. And so we're gonna close. I wanna show you this video. Pay attention.
2: Hey, City Church family, it's that time of year again for our annual baby bottle campaign for HOPE Women's Center. HOPE Women's Center is your local crisis pregnancy center. Each day, young girls and guys, they walk through our doors on what they think is one of the worst days of their lives. They're scared of the unknown and of what is right in front of them. Many influencers in their lives are pushing for abortion and saying that it's easy and the right choice even. Yet we know that by God's providence, their paths have crossed with ours and we have the opportunity to speak a better word over their situation, a word of peace, love, and hope that is only found in Jesus.
3: Thank you for linking arms with us to fight for life in our community. Mm-hmm. Here's how you can help. Grab a baby bottle today and fill it with change and cash between now and Father's Day. This is a great way for moms and dads to involve their kids and have important and intentional discussions about the sanctity of life. Our goal is that each bottle would have at least $50 in it. As you probably know, our clinic was destroyed in the February storm. If there ever was a time that we needed you, it's now we're faced with the challenge of raising more funds than ever before, as we not only rebuild our ministry home, but also expand this ministry by offering post-abortive classes for men, next step childbirth and parenting classes, and the abortion pill reversal to patients who are regretting taking the first abortion pill and want to undo it. And in our new home, there are plans to add a Christian adoption agency on site. So be sure to grab a baby bottle on your way out and return it here on Father's Day, June 20th.
2: We are so thankful for City Church and your bold stance in supporting Hope Women's Center to serve the lost, the least, and the voiceless in our community. Thank you for being a part of Hope's Greatest Comeback.
0: We really love that place. We love what they do there and what uh, Holly said. I just wanna piggyback on that and say that they do an amazing job of speaking a better word The world, the culture has a message to these girls that are facing the crisis of their lives. And I know that so often that's an uncomfortable subject. It's rarely even talked about except for in the world. But where else besides the church And the hope of Christ, the love that we just talked about uh, for them to receive it. And if you haven't ever had a chance to visit Hope, you can't do that physically right now because they're in a mobile situation because of that storm. But when they reopen their doors, I want to invite you to go and visit uh, Hope Women's Center and walk in and you will be amazed and you will just experience the love that they shower over Everyone that walks through their doors, women and men alike, just covering them with prayer, with the grace of Christ, with the mercy and kindness of God. And so um, it's an amazing place. And so we're really grateful to be able to partner with them. And uh, as Aaron said, use this as an opportunity to have conversations as a family, as what God says about the sanctity and the value of every human life. Um, And so help us with that as you uh, pick up a baby bottle. Two other things about our schedule. I know many of you have been emailing me and wondering. You haven't heard anything about our evening prayer uh, this evening, and you're concerned about that, and I appreciate those concerns. Um, We are not going to be gathering, unfortunately, for evening prayer this evening. It's Mother's Day, and we just understood, recognized on this calendar, you're going to be spending time with family, which is right and is great. Um, And so we're going to merge our community night and our prayer uh, evening next Sunday at 5 o'clock for a night of worship. It's going to be the first night of worship that we've had here in this place, and I don't know if we've ever done a true night of worship before in the life of our church, but I want to invite you to be here. The worship team um, has been investing a lot of hours just preparing to lead us in worship, and so it's going to be a great evening at 5 o'clock next Sunday, and so that will, we're kind of merging prayer and our community, so we won't meet on for community night on the fourth Sunday either, and so be here next Sunday evening at 5 p.m. please. And then lastly, um, if you are uh, want to know more about just our summer calendar, especially parents with children, you want to know all that we've got going on this summer, you can go to citychurchmelissa.com slash summer. And you can see everything that we have going on throughout the summer, camps and, you know, uh, all the fun stuff for kids and even family gatherings that we're going to do on Sunday evenings. You can see those and plan your calendar around those things. You can move your vacations to make sure that you can be present with us. So citychurchmelissa.com slash summer, and so go visit uh, that webpage and find that out. Last thing, I'll be down front again as I look around the room. I see some visiting moms and guests with us, and we'd just love an opportunity to meet you, to uh, pray with you. If there's anything uh, in your life, perhaps, again, this is just a hard day. and You just need a hug. I'll be down front. We'd love an opportunity to meet you and to encourage you and just to bless you in the name of Christ, and so thank you so much for being with us. Moms, go get your succulents. Grab a baby bottle through in our cafe. Have a great day, and happy Mother's Day. The Lord is good.
3: thanks for listening to the preaching of god's word at city church melissa we meet sunday mornings at 8 30 and 10:30 a.m at 2300 vineyard hill lane and we look forward to seeing you there soon city church melissa for the glory of god and the good of the city